Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Mark Worser. He is founder of NurseMark. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what's going on in cannabis, particularly around the interplay between the medical and the adult use markets in the various states that have these programs. A fascinating topic. I've really been interested in how medical programs and adult use programs kind of interact, how they kind of impact each other in different ways, uh, particularly when you bring in an adult use into a a state that has had an established medical program, and really just kind of understanding the differences, the differences in intent, the differences in uh, users or patients, consumers, and how how we made sure that you know each market is developed appropriately and successfully, and obviously sort of different intents, but uh, you know have to operate in the same process. So excited to talk about that. Understand what what else Mark is working on. He's an uh, entrepreneur. He's been uh, an advocate and and really helping develop this industry. So it's going to be an exciting conversation. With that, Mark, welcome to the program. Bruce, thanks for having me here. Glad to be here. 
Yeah, yeah. So why don't we do a little bit of background first uh, sure. before we kind of dig into the details of these programs. But tell us a story. How did you get involved in cannabis? What was kind of your entry point? And give us the journey. <laughs> it's a great story, Bruce. It really is. So I had a tech company for 30 years. I was in the tech space. And in the end of 2017, I sold that. And, you know, I'm a member of Entrepreneurs Organization. And EO has been, you know, a big part of how my entrepreneurial journey has expanded and grown. Yeah. And I had gotten a nursing degree back in 2014, nights and weekends, still running the other company, was just uh, sort of not not challenged by where I was at in the in the last company. And so I was kind of looking around and healthcare has always been something I've been interested in, you know, if everything from yoga to, you know, fitness and nutrition, I've always had a very heavy interest in it. And uh, so I exited the company in 2017. I had this nursing degree. I didn't know what I was going to do next. Literally had no idea. And I come from a very cannabis agnostic background, right? My father was a state trooper. My mom was raised by Christian scientists. So no medication is a good medication yeah. on, in her view. So I never, I really didn't care if you used cannabis, but I just never used it except in my adolescent years. Yeah. Anyway, so not even into cannabis. And at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I met our mutual friend, Jenny Argy, who, you know, yeah. is a great CBD company, cannabis company, and has for many years. Yeah. And uh, we were in a relationship. And so I had no company and she had this great company. So I got involved, you know, because we're together and, and it was great. And the more I got behind the scenes and dove in and I never do anything without going a hundred percent all in <laughs> like a true EOR, <laughs> <laughs> right? I dove in and the more I dove in Bruce, the more I was amazed yeah. at really how much information, really legit science backed information was already out in the space, not in the United States per se, some, yeah. but you know, clearly most being done outside of the U S primarily in Israel. I was just amazed at what this sort of cannabis space was going to be, you know, what it was already and what it was going to be. So I consumed every bit of science-based information that I could find. I did all sorts of, God, I traveled the world, literally traveled the world and attended every medical cannabis conference I could find. Coming from that nurse background, I really wanted yeah. it to be about healthcare. So that was my entry point into the cannabis space, and it's been the most amazing journey and continues to be. Yeah. yeah. What, I'm curious what you noticed in the research, like what kind of stuck out at you as either being kind of surprising or, or really impactful for you, and what was it that kind of drew oh, you man. into cannabis from a business point of view? You know, I'll give you a perfect example. In 2016, Massachusetts had on the referendum the recreational slash what we call adult use in the healthcare space. They had that on the referendum. And I was on the board of the American Nurses Association, Massachusetts chapter for a few years at that point. And we aligned with Governor Charlie Baker in opposing that referendum. And the research that I was presented with and the statistics and the information, you know, were pretty solid against cannabis being legalized. And so I bought in and we, we fought and lost. And then I, I'm in this place where I'm learning a lot about cannabis. Mm -hmm. And that was the part that was shocking for me. It was like, oh my gosh, all that information that I had received in this very legit healthcare political sort of effort yeah. was not at all what the reality was. 
So it was it was really shocking. The more that I dug in, the more I found really heavy science-backed research that was done in the right way that was showing that cannabis had a very positive effect in the human body. And so that for me was really shocking. Yeah, what do you think the uh, caused that or what are the forces that play? Because I, I hear this, not, it's not uncommon, right? Particularly mm-hmm. coming out of the medical space where, you know, someone has been kind of presented with a body of research, a body of work that really kind of, you know, draws certain conclusions about cannabis and the effectiveness and then mm-hmm. they kind of get exposed to a broader body and and it's quite different. Do you have any kind of underlying, you know, kind of theories or, or kind of ex- explanations of why this that why this happened so much? Boy, it's such a complex question to answer, Bruce, is so many different facets of it from, you know, just the legal standpoint of where cannabis has been for the last 80 years in this country. And sort of that roadblock to anybody even having the thought that there could be some positive benefit to it all the way through to the sort of the healthcare community and, you know, the pharmaceutical sort of route. And I'm, you know, I will be very honest, I'm not anti-pharmaceutical. You know, there's a lot of sort of that anti-pharmaceutical sentiment in the in the cannabis space yeah. from a lot of people. I'm not that because I'm, you know, I'm very, you know, trained in sort of the pharmaceutical route. So I understand that that's also an issue because in pharmacy, it's very much, you know, you need to prove without a shadow of a doubt that there is a positive benefit using these steps through the FDA. So that's yeah. totally blocked for the cannabis route, right? Yeah. You're not allowed yeah. to do that. So, you know, there, there are a lot of factors that go into, into this whole sort of phenomenon of, well, it's legal and it's not legal and it's good yeah. or it's bad. Yeah. yeah. If, um, you know, someone listening to this, particularly from the medical side, is kind of looking to expand their knowledge, kind of learn a little bit more, any particular sources or areas that you would point them to, to, to get a little bit more of this, uh, you know. Yeah, there are, you know. The, global, physically. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there really view. is, there really is some wonderful places to go. If you're in the medical community, there are organizations that, uh, the two specifically that I belong to that have really good informational programs, have some certification training around it. The first would be the American Cannabis Nurses Association. They've been around for 10 years and, you know, it's a legit um, organization filled with not just nurses, but it is primarily the nursing community. And uh, so that's one. The second would be the American Cannabis Specialists, and that's more of a physician-based community. So, you know, I get both ends of the spectrum that I'm kind of bridging this gap because there's a lot of, you know, we're all kind of moving the same direction from different viewpoints. And we all have that common goal of using cannabis as a medicine. So those two are really great places. And, you know, the third one is I'm actually enrolled in a master's program for medical cannabis science and therapeutics, and it's through the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. And now this is a legit pharmacy program. It's, it's, yeah. it's a school of pharmacy that's the fourth oldest in the nation. So, you know, there, this program is just absolutely fantastic. It's been fascinating to see kind of the response of universities, you know, whether it's business school or the medical programs mm-hmm. or even legal, the legal departments. How have you seen kind of the education side of this kind of help shape this industry or impact the industry in terms of sort of educating the professionals in in the spaces that matter around cannabis and, you know, how it works and what it does? Yeah, the educational space has really started to develop and blossom. I mean, it's a large part of what we do now is education, whether it's being educated ourselves as healthcare professionals or as whoever is. And I mean, I will say that 
the program at University of Maryland, it, the student population is extremely diverse because it's not just about healthcare. So you have people that had, don't have a healthcare background that may have a, a you know thirty year background in social justice. So there's a this really diverse population of people who are all focused in that same area and that same goal. But as we move on, there are just you know there are schools every day who come out with with new programming around cannabis and around the endocannabinoid system and around, you know, sort of training about how this actually physically works in the human body. Yeah. 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 This is, it's fascinating when you really oh. get into it, the, you know, how it actually works, why it works, what we know about it, what we oh don't know about gosh. it. It's, it's really just, interesting. It's amazing, Bruce. It really yeah. is. It's amazing. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the medical program. So, um, you know, I think as most people know, you know, some of the States, you know, adopted legislation or passed referendums to allow, the use of cannabis for medical conditions, mm-hmm. but talk to us a little bit about how, you know, how the states, the sort of the differences across states, you know, how the state's programs are set up and like kind of give us a little bit of, you know, under, a little bit better understanding of the medical medical side of this from yeah, a state program situation. You know, it's it because it's all state-based, Bruce, it's this, it's this weird patchwork of of legislation, rules, and regulations, and each state is absolutely different from one another. There is some commonality. Most of the states adhere to sort of the same conditions that they'll allow cannabis to be used for. And and, and honestly, a lot of the states have given sort of a loophole at the end. They'll say, okay, here are the half a dozen primary conditions on which you can refer somebody, and it's not really, you can't prescribe cannabis yet. We're hoping to get to that point, but you refer somebody to get cannabis to use almost really on their own. And so they have like these six base conditions mostly that they'll allow you to refer somebody for. But at the end, a lot of the states have said, and any other thing that you as a physician deem (laughs) appropriate. Right. So there's like that little loophole, which is, I think is great because you know what, let physicians and healthcare providers treat people, you know, let's not, let's not have legislators decide how people should be treated. That hasn't worked well in the past and it certainly isn't going to work well in the future. Yeah. Mm. So these states have these programs and then, you know, so, I mean, you you brought up a point in there, which I think is important to, to sort of appreciate from how the industry ends up getting set up, which is they don't prescribe, they kind of refer or Mm. they, you know, they, they give you, they verify that you've got this kind of qualifying condition. How does the process work then from a patient experience point of view? You know, I go to my doctor, I talk to them about this need that I have. What happens to them after that? Boy, it's a, it's, it's a phenomenon for sure. So you'll go to your primary care physician and you'll say, Hey, you know what? I hear that cannabis can really work well for whatever it is you're dealing with. Right. And still, you know, the, the answer is, well, you know, I've heard it might, or, you know, or some physicians will still not have that conversation. And for, for legitimate reasons, you know, they, they all hold DEA cards to prescribe other medications. And, you know, sometimes there's still sort of a hesitancy because of, you know, the unknowns of, federal versus state legality, mm-hmm. whether their DEA card will be sort of jeopardized. So, you know, still understandably so, there's still a little hesitancy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what will happen is that they will in turn refer you to a physician or a nurse practitioner who is certifying in the state. And so they're typically providers who have registered with the state as being a cannabis specialist and certified to provide a certificate for a medical cannabis patient that'll say, 
okay, I have reviewed your medical chart. I have spoken to you. We have sat down. We have talked about what your goals are. And I agree that cannabis may be effective for you. So you are certified to get a medical cannabis card. And that's when you apply to the state and you get your physical medical cannabis card that allows you to go to medical cannabis dispensaries and purchase product. In Massachusetts, I think it's a 60-day product, you know, amount of product that you can have on hand. Got it. So you kind of get permission from the state <laughs> to basically use cannabis. Yes. Uh, they issue this card. You, you have to register, you provide your information, you, you mm-hmm. get a card, and then use that card to go to the dispensary. And, I mean, generally what's happening at the dispensary, I mean, from your point of view, uh, in terms of looking at the medical markets, mm-hmm. what happens in the dispensary in terms of, you know, the conversation around, I mean, it's just, yeah, there's so, so many products, there's so many formats, you know, what, how does that process generally work? Yeah, there's, uh, there's some interplay between the folks who are at the dispensary who are working um, you know in that area with folks every day and the people who are certifying because you know many times the physicians and NPs that are certifying or they will recommend certain products for the patient and the patient will show up at the dispensary and this happens a lot more in the sort of the recreational adult use if they're not in the medical space but in the medical space, because we're talking about that, they'll show up at the dispensary and sometimes they'll be guided to a different product based on what interaction the patient has with the dispensary personnel. Mm-hmm. But so there's most, kind of on, ongoing kind of figuring out yeah, what effect you want, what right. is the, your context that you're using. Right. And, and there's still a lot, of, a lot of things that are unknown. You know, I think it's a good point, a good time to really mention that, you know, there are 550 different varieties of cannabis plant, right, yeah. that we know of. And each has a different chemobar, different chemical makeup. And it is really specific to the individual. So, you know, one particular variety may work really well for pain relief for me, but may give you no pain relief. So it's, yeah. it's and that's, I think, part of the problem with the physician community is, you know, when, when they dispense naproxen or one of those you know, anti-inflammatory products, they pretty much know because they've had such a long history with it, what's going to happen with the cannabis side of things. They really don't know. So we're still so early on in this thing, Bruce. You know, I think that it's been around in the general public and we've had a lot of conversation about it in the recent past, but we're still so early on in what we know how to use this. It's exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, there's an interesting dynamic that gets set up, and sometimes it's within the medical, or I think more so between the general cannabis community and medical community of of you know, do we treat this as you know a, a sort of holistic plant that has you know that these myriad of of compounds in it, you know, both cannabinoids and otherwise, and terpenes mm-hmm. and you know all these different things in it that have this kind of combinatorial effect that we want to kind of preserve versus do we kind of treat this as a series of molecules and we want to mm. kind of pull this molecule out and say, okay, it does THC or CBD or CBDN or like one of these, you know, particular molecules, what does that do? And we want to run this through tr- clinical trials and, right. you know, have this kind of, you know, very proven efficacy kind of place. I mean, uh, do you see this kind of, or, or, or give me a sense of how you kind of see it from the medical side in terms of, the well, you know, do we treat this as a molecule? Do we treat it as an entourage kind of thing? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, in the pharmaceutical world, we treat it as a molecule, and we're gonna we're gonna want to divine that down to that one molecule. And they have this, you know, this synthetic cannabinoid, synthetic THC, and uh, and such. It's been sort of created in the lab. 
and you know up to now what we found is that it's not effective as as the plant itself as you talked about sort of the entourage effect which is you know certainly a very real phenomenon of all of those different chemical components interacting in the human body which makes it why the 550 different varieties have different effects <laughs> for different people, right? Because yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just that way. There's so many interactions. Yeah. Well, and you add the whole, you know, people's, uh, you know, depending on their gut biome mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's going to change it. the uptake and like uh, the, the yeah. genetic differences. I mean, uh, it gets you know, What are they eating? Their diet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else are they doing? Their diet has a lot to do with it too. So yeah, you're right. So there's so many... You know, the bottom line is, Bruce, we are just such a complex biological machine. I mean, it's just amazing, the human body, which is what drew me to healthcare in the first place, is that it's such an amazingly complex thing to be human, to be, you know, this physical being. And and it's endlessly fascinating, especially in the cannabis space. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what happens to these programs. And, and I think most states, you know, have had or, or most states are going to start with some kind of medical program mm-hmm. and then at some point bring in an adult use. Mm-hmm. How like what what the dynamics or what have you seen play out in, in these states when they bring in the adult use side? How has it impacted the medical side? Yeah. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to date, I think there's 11 states, including the District of Columbia, who have some sort of adult use or recreational market. Uh, and, you know, that that will continue, certainly. So what we've seen in the interplay between the medical and the adult use, and by the way, in the healthcare community, we consider both of them medical use. One is just without <laughs> somebody yeah. guiding you, and the other is... Self-driven. Right? Yeah. Because that's what we do. Like, your people who are adult use, recreational using, they just want to feel better. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, they'll, they'll just be uh, trying to figure it out on their own. So what we see is that there's a decrease in the use of the medical space when there's access on a recreational or adult use. And it's probably for a lot of reasons. A, people don't want to have that conversation with their physician. <laughs> they, they want to go on record. It's an uncomfortable, you know, it's an uncomfortable conversation to have for a lot of people. They don't, again, they don't want it in their medical record for a lot of reasons because it's still federally illegal and there's yep. still health, you know, implications with probably life insurance and things like that. Um, and you know, they just figure they're going to try it on their own. And so that's what they do. They try it on their own. Do you find that it, when an adult use program gets introduced in a state that has had a medical program in Mm -hmm. place that the, the medical card holder either reduces or, or goes flat? Like do people at that point say like, why should I bother getting a medical card? I'm just going to do it myself. You know, does it end up? Yeah. I think that's what we're seeing is that people just say, Hey, you know what? If I've been in the medical program, I know what's working for me. And why do I need to continue to register with the state and go through this medical thing when I can just walk in off the street and do what I want to do? So, you know, it's ease of access, right? I mean, it's going to be the easiest route of grabbing the product. So I think that you have a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And from the dispensary experience, have, have you your general perception that most of the dispensaries end up providing uh, serving both customers or do you have dispensaries that sort of stay in the medical space? Uh, and then, you know, it's, I mean, guess from a, from what I've seen and you know, my, most of my experience has been here in Massachusetts because it's where I've been. Yeah. What I've seen is that you'd, you'd have most of the medical providers will open a recreational outlet. Yeah. And it just kind of makes sense from, from a business owner standpoint, if I have this new market open up, why would I not yeah. just go well, into it? Because you know, literally, Bruce, it's the same product. Like, I'm going to grow and I'm going to put this into the medical side and I'm going to put this into the recreational side. 
but it's the same product. Well, I was, I was curious about that. I mean, you see most kind of dispensaries or most you know cannabis providers, it literally is the same product. Are they developing different products for the different markets? You know, maybe the same underlying kind mm-hmm. of obviously uh, you know cannabis, but you know formats, packaging, uh, dosing, you know things like that. I mean, how have you seen the product sort of differentiate between the two? Or most people I think are there's just a little bit it? of that, and I think as time goes on, you'll see more of that happening. You know, in, in the sort of in the rec adult use side, I mean, I think they're addressing more of the of that market that's just in it for recreation, right? So I think they're going to be more about smoke. They're going to be more about the raw flower, uh, where in the medical community, you know, we continue to try to figure out new ways to deliver the product more efficiently in the body, whether it's smoking, whether it's vaping with very specific guidelines around that because of the issues with vaping or even edibles. You know, trying to really get that down to how we can deliver. Because one of the issues is dosing. So it's not consistent. So how do we get more consistency within that product line and, you know, continue to give the patient really a good, solid experience across the board? Yeah. I mean, do you see that? I guess, what do you think the future of the medical programs are for these states that the recreation is, you know, is strong, is growing? I mean, is the medical programs going to stick around? Are they going to, you know, focus on particular parts of the medical, you know, medical patients? How do you see that evolving? You know what, Bruce? I think they're going to stick around. I think that there's sort of this dual track, right? And, but in the medical side of things, it's, it's becoming more legitimate. And, And honestly, when federal finally gets to be legal, whatever that looks like, Mm-hmm. It's really going to help the medical community. You know, it's going to help with research. It's going to help with access. It's going to help with people who are on board and using this. Um, I mean, we've had, you know, what, two generations away from physicians who actually used it as a medicine. In 1937, it was the, the AMA, the American Medical Association, who opposed cannabis being being made illegal. Yeah. Because they'd used it for hundreds of years as a viable medicine. And I think more so to toot their owners, they were really worried about future. They were worried that this would create a situation where it wouldn't be studied. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of ir- ironic that we're now we're, we're kind of swinging in the pendulum and, <laughs> you know, it's we kind of figure out how to honestly, it's almost train a new generation of doctors. Oh, it's exactly <laughs> what it was, is. You know, <laughs> you have one or two generations that were just, you know, were taught for all sorts of reasons, you know, that cannabis was bad or, you know, uh-huh. cannabis was, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use it. And now we're kind of coming back. I mean, I guess, do you see this as really kind of a generational thing that, that until we get a new kind of the younger younger generation of doctors who, you know, get trained, you know, early on this, you know, who still have a, a long, you know, stretch in mm-hmm. the career to go and, and are going to be developing practices that are, you know, want to learn these things. Do you think it takes that to really make that shift? Boy, it's hard to say because it's such an individualistic thing. You know, I think there are some docs who are out there who've been practicing for a really long time who kind of know and have seen that, you know, what the tools that they've been given in some cases just aren't efficacious. They're just not working the way they want them to. And they're open to trying new things. But I think there is a a level of that sort of changing of the guard type thing where, you know, we have a new, you know, we have a new generation of physicians and nurse practitioners who are entering the space who are more willing to listen to what's going on. So, you know, again, having that federal ban lifted and having research done can only create a medical cannabis community that is thriving and able to deal with patients effectively. Is there any particular research that you would 
sort of um, that you think needs to get developed first or, or what's the kind of categories or the areas of research that really need to be done and what are the priorities to really help develop the market and understanding of the application of the plan? Hmm. Boy, that is, that is a great question. And I don't think there's an answer to it because it's just so diverse. And because there's so many different applications, I think that more of an understanding of the interaction of all of the different components. So, you know, more of a study on why is this entourage effect so important? Why is this, you know, what is it within the human body that is happening that these different mechanisms are in play that allow it to work much better? I was at a medical cannabis conference in Israel and one of the presenters said, and it was really, it was a profound moment for me. He said, these are researchers who have been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, these are, you know, long, lifelong cannabis research people. And he said, it's not so much that cannabis is super effective as a pain reliever or super effective as an anxiety reliever. It's that overall it has a positive effect in so many different areas of the human dynamic that it gives the patient the ability to step out of their condition and get better in all domains of life. And that was really profound for me. That's sort of the entourage effect in in a grand scale. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting way to put it because it, it does, I mean, it, it's fascinating because it, it impacts so many things. I mean, on one hand, it, you know, it can help, you know, these horrible situations of children with seizures and, mm-hmm. you know, will dramatically change their lives, you know, all the way down to, you know, it helps reduce anxiety and helps other people sleep. You know, it has all sorts of, you know, skin, epidural kind of applications. Right. You know, it's just like, right. it's, it's kind of a, we, we've got this joke of, you know, if, if there's a hole or a surface, we'll figure out how to get cannabis in it, <laughs> you know, where it's, it's just, right. So many and you're you not lying, it. man. I'll tell you, yeah. we can do it. <laughs> oh yeah, and so it's 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 kind of this question of where do you start, or where really, which is the which one do you do first? Like which which condition, which application, which you know situation do you investigate first? And it's kind of this, you know, uh, I honestly I would think it would be pain because of the fact that you know there are just so many people who are in chronic pain. And, yeah. and you know, opiates are not opiates. By the way, are are still a great tool in the war against pain. They really are. I mean, you know, we've had such a negative impact because of, you know, obviously the, the opiate crisis and, and, and that was all, well, we won't even get into that. It was, it was a situation anyway, that opiates are still a tool in, in pain relief and they're needed. They're needed. People need to have them. It just needs to be done with a lot of forethought and a lot of monitoring, but in chronic pain, in a lot of different areas, cannabis can be super effective. To go back to your question, what what should we research first? Let's use cannabis to address chronic pain. Let's yeah. help these people, you know, the 20 million people in the United States who have, or I guess that's what the number is, you know, who experience chronic pain, which is debilitating, which is life-changing. Let's help them address it with cannabis because it's, it's effective and its safety profile is is great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just the the downsides of it are so minimal. minor and manageable. Minimal. Uh, that's one of the beauties of, uh, mm-hmm. of of the plant. Yeah, Mark, this has been great. If people want to learn more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Website is www.nursemark with a k dot co and. Always, always reach out via email. I'm happy to interact with anybody. Email is nursemark at nursemark.co. Great. I will uh, make sure that those links and email are in the show notes so people can click through 
I got that. Yeah. And one last thing that I'll mention, yeah, Bruce, I have a podcast as well. It's uh, the Nurse Mark podcast. It's all things health, happiness, cannabis. So it's not just cannabis. It's a lot in the health and happiness space and mental health. And so I uh, would love folks to give a listen to that if they're so inclined. I'll put that in the show notes. I've listened to a few episodes. It's great. I Thanks, uh, encourage everyone to go and, and check it out. You've got Appreciate a it. great approach to this and, and clearly just really insightful, compassionate approach to the programming and approach to, you know, really kind of helping people deal with, you know, deal with their situations and you know, live, live a healthier, better, happier lifestyle. So uh, great content. I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And awesome. that's, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate the invite. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.